welcome to Thank the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. Dr. Jacobs travel itinerary will our products and more. And please visit slash MJM. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just plead the blood over this place today. We sprinkle the people and all of us and our children and grandchildren with the blood of Jesus today for the cleansing power, the healing power, the rebuking power to the devil that he cannot cross that bloodline. We determine that in our heart and we say it by faith. And we thank you for the precious blood and faith in the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you for all that blood does for us. It does everything. It sanctifies us, it redeems us, it delivers us, quickens us, makes us what we are because we're in that covenant of blood through Jesus' blood to you, Father. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You can be seated a minute. They got me all emotional here talking about Dr. Dufresne and sitting by Pastor Nancy and all that does me a number sometimes. That's good. I'm just an easy crier. And you know, I'd do some of you good to do that too. I'm going to say that. Some of you haven't cried in years. You, did, you, did, you know, you can just cry over being happy. I do want to talk about my material a little bit. And some of these aren't even my books, one of them. But this is our bigger uh, book on deliverance because I was here, I was the last month. Maybe, I think, and I taught about deliverance from the front, but I didn't have my books with me. And there's a smaller version if you don't like this big clunky one. But, you know, it's got extra pages in it where you can take notes. And it's, this came out in 1978. I began talking about the devil and demons. Yeah. And the reason I did it was I was pastor in church, and I thought everybody that knew God longer than me had wings on the back. Like Brother Hagin said, it was just their, their, their bones back there. That's all it was. But I had people I didn't know how to help, and the Lord said, it wasn't a cure-all, but it was important to me. And he said, I want to teach you about the devil and demons. It sounded like Brother Hagin talking there, but that was my revelation that God gave me. And God told me not to buy anybody's books on it. I thought that was interesting. Of course, later when I got established, he said, you could buy anybody's books you want. As Dr. Trumrall lived in my state where I grew up, where I was ministering. But anyway, we have at least some of the chapters here, Deliverance of Forgotten Ministry. And you know, since I started teaching that in 1978, all my friends back then, this was their attitude. Why do you want to do that? You're going to tear your ministry up. Of course, I wasn't as bold as I am today. I would have slapped them. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know about preachers sometimes. And a lot of them just said, you know, they would ask me to come. I said, you mind if I teach on deliverance? Well, I don't think so. I said, well, I got a lot of other things to teach. But I want to say, why are you afraid of the devil? He's already defeated. Yeah. Of course, you got to know that before you start casting them out or you're liable to get slapped. So anyway, for real. The authority of the believer, if you don't know that, you won't do anything with it. I could teach you all the other chapters, but if you don't know you have authority over the devil, it won't do you any good to talk big because you won't be able to do anything. And uh, how demons operate. I got some mini books out there by some of these titles. How Demons Gain Entrance, that's a real important one to know. The Occult. And can a believer have a demon? My answer, short answer is yes, but I don't know why you'd want one. <laughs> you can have as many as you want, but I just wouldn't recommend that. Because they're just there to destroy your life, tear up your marriage, tear up your children. All right, I'll let that go for now. 
I'm not teaching on that this morning. I know you get relieved, right? Because I might ask you to get up here and repent. This is by Dr. Dennis Hadball. He's a very close friend of mine, a son for many years, over 35 years probably. Uh, and he wrote that he taught this one time in one of my meetings, said, you have to put this in print, loving the man and not just the anointing. So, and you know, in your case, your women here, and of course, Stephen too, he's a boy, but I mean, Morgan and Pastor Nancy. And you know, I, I appreciate this because some people appreciate me because I can get them delivered or healed, but not many people love me, Michael, like Dr. Ed Dufresne did. He did. And I think the Dufresne family loves me. I'm going to take that as a, yes, they didn't say anything, <laughs> rebuke me. It's a great book though. You need to love the person, not just what they can do for you. That's really a covenant mentality. When you're in covenant, you think about the other person constantly, what you could do to improve their life, what you could do to help their life, what you could do to give to them what you have out of your mantle. And even, you know, believers, just sheep, they have things to impart and minister to. And that's what I'm teaching on this morning, impartations, divine rescues. And I wrote this really out of my experience by being a son to Dr. Ed Dufresne for 20 years. And then he's been gone nine years. Is that right? So that's why I said almost 30 years with the Dufresne family. And I'm still hanging out. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to talk about this, this, this book on impartations. I think it's a good book. It'll bless you. I'll give this to somebody. Maybe Here you go. Thank you, Stephen. So we want to talk about that today. So I'm going to ask you to turn. Let me see where I want to start here. I do have some notes. It's nice to have notes. Don't get for, worried that I got too many notes. <laughs> I have some, some good notes, though, I think, by God's help. I wanted to, uh, let's turn to Romans 1, and we're going to read 11 and 12 here. And uh, I wanted to read something that Dr. Dufresne said about impartations. And I want to read it from the Passion Bible in just a minute. Because he, he's got a, a, a really good interpretation of this. I think he does. But I want to read you what Dr. Dufresne said in quoting about Romans 1.11. Dr. Dufresne said, Paul yearned uh, to see them because he knew he had something that would bless them. But you got to know what you have to bless people. And he said, you need to know how you're anointing an office of course, I'm a prophet. I'm, I'm, I don't have to say that. It ought to be evident if you know something. But you need to know how your anointing in office will bless and help others. I was preaching in Mexico last week. I just got back. I don't remember what day I got back. I'm moving kind of quickly these days. But I was a lady in the congregation and she was smiling. But the Lord said, she's got something wrong with her. I want you to deal with that when you get done preaching. So I had words of knowledge, which I gave at first and people came. Then I walked back several rows to her. I said, I'd like to talk to you a minute. Would you step out here? And she did. And I said, the Lord says you have something wrong. What's your issue? And she it just so blessed me. She said, she was probably, I would say maybe 20-ish, maybe a little older. I have mental problems. And she went like that. I said, well, I'm going to deal with that and it's going to leave you. So I commanded the devil to come out and he came out her back. I said, did you feel that? You mean something in my back? Yeah, something just left you. And she called the pastor the next day. I was leaving in two days, but she called him and said, tell Dr. Jacobs I really felt a lot better after he ministered to me. Yeah. Then I found out later that she had had an abortion 
She didn't look old enough to me to have one, but I'm sure she did. So sometimes people will be smiling at me. So if you smile at me, I may call you out to deliver you or something. <laughs> I know how you think. Trust me. But that happens a lot in my ministry, helping people if they have a stronghold that they can't deal with themselves. Sometimes people aren't strong enough. I don't mean physically. I'm talking about spiritually. All right. So let's read this verse here, and then I'm going to read, read Romans 1, verse 11 and 12, and then I'm going to read out of the Passion Bible to you in a minute. Paul says, I long to see you. So this was something he needed to be present to do. I believe in prayer clause. I just prayed over one of my partners who wrote me and said, uh, I have a daughter that's autistic. And I, I was praying over that. And God said, well, pray over prayer cloth and have it sent to him. So I did that. I don't know if he's got it yet to lay on her. Because I, I don't think I've ever met her in my meetings yet. Uh, he, he may show up with her sometime. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Or we would say out of my endowment maybe. Yeah. Paul is saying, out of what I have to give you. To the end that we may be established. So God's wanting you to receive things and to get established. Now let me give you some alternate translations of this so far. To give you fresh strength. Fresh strength. You know it's good that you got filled with the Holy Ghost and maybe you prayed this week some, hopefully every day. Worship the Lord some, talk to Him, let Him talk to you. You don't do all the talking hopefully. <laughs> if you do you need to pull it back a little and listen. To make you strong. That's another translation of this right here. To establish you to be steadfast. That's a good translation. So it says, I long to see you that I may impart unto you out of my endowment or my gift. The word gift here in the Greek is this, is it means this. A spiritual endowment. A miraculous faculty. A deliverance or a rescue. But see that's what that was to that young lady. I was at youth camp. I used to go every year to my youth camp. We have about 10 churches come systematically, maybe eight or nine, sometimes 10 or more. And there was a young lady there. I think she was a teenager then. I think she was in high school. She could have been a little further along. But And I looked at her and the Lord said, call her out and minister to her, cast that thing out of her. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't know she had anything until the Lord told me that. But then she showed me later she'd been slicing her wrists. You know, trying to kill herself. So my wife and I talked to her later and we, we said, we would like you to share that testimony unless you're embarrassed. We'll stand up front with you if you share it to the congregation because she's a very attractive young lady. You wouldn't think anything's wrong with her. She's intelligent, communicative and all that. And so she said, I'd be glad to do it. So she got up and told the whole congregation what she was doing and that she stopped that when I prayed for her to be delivered. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a hero. I'm just a man of God that knows something. All right. And he says, and that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. Now get a hold of this, the mutual faith, both of you and me. I know I was listening to Pastor Morgan. Boy, she can, she can give announcements like nobody's business. I mean, she's a preaching machine. But she said, you guys are going to pray for me. And I think uh, one of them told me you'd been praying for me. And I appreciate that. But here's another part to this puzzle. I have faith to release what I have. And you have faith to receive it. So it's not just me. It's not, I'm not under any pressure right now. Whatsoever. 
I'm not here to perform. I'm here to minister the word. And then we'll see what God shows me. I don't have anything written down to minister a certain way. We'll just leave it in the Lord's hands. And I can teach too. I mean, that would be okay too. But normally I minister because the anointing's in my hands for my ministry. You know, I'm just talking to you here a minute. So it takes mutual faith. You have to have faith to receive what I say I have or you can't receive it. You can come up here and I can lay hands on you, anointing, knock you, knock you down, knock you on your backside. But you get up, you didn't get anything. Right. You just got a little buzz from God. But see, I'm talking about getting something, receiving something. Come on. That's right. But you have to have faith in what I have. I have faith to release it. You have faith to receive it. Yes. All right. And the reason I'm a good distributor now of that, I was a good receiver and I still am. If you were here in January, I think. Pastor Nancy ministered to me, gave me a prophetic word to go with what she's already said to me a lot of other times. But I have it in my Bible here anyway. And I received it. I'm a good receiver too. The Lord dealt with me about that in finances about 30 years ago. He said, you're a great giver, but you're a poor receiver. I want that gone. I want you to work on yourself. I said, okay, no problem. So I'm expecting a helicopter to land out here in the driveway any minute. With somebody that's from Bogota, Colombia, where I used to go and preach, he's handcuffed to a, a, a briefcase. He comes in. My, my, my head guy that was over me in the mob, he said to give you a million dollars. He got saved listening to your tapes. I don't, I don't doubt it. Kick that handcuff off. Give it to me. <laughs> Talk about buying airplanes, hey. Anyway, praise God. Maybe I ought to up it a little bit next time. Let be on a million. Are you listening? <laughs> okay. So you have a part to play in this service. How about you that don't need anything right now or you don't think you do? And maybe that's true. Could be. I mean, if you're out of debt and you have all the money you need and you have all the health you need, you have all the soundness of mind you need, that's a big order, I think, for humans. But you could do that and beyond that. I'm just giving you a sort of a general overview. But if, if you weren't up here, what would hold you back from believing for people that were here? Unless you're just selfish. Yeah. You just think about you. Right. And your kids and your mate. And that's about it. Come on. I don't know that you do that. I'm just rebuking you if you need one. So if I step on your toe, <laughs> just tie up your shoe and take it. <laughs> okay. I was in, I had a prayer line going in Mexico City. It's about probably almost 20 years ago now. And I had a word about cancer. So there's about eight people came. I'd prayed for three or four ministry and the anointing was tangible. I could feel it in my system and in my hands. And all of a sudden the anointing flew away. <laughs> so I stopped my look around. What is, what's going on here? Somebody just did something. I look over here in the corner. We're in a preschool room on the second story of the building. And some of the guests that were there were in the cabinet. They had Oreo cookies and Pepsis. This is what I did. Hey, you over there, stop that. Who told you to get in that cabinet? What if this was your mother up here or your sister or your wife or your baby? Get out of my meeting. Put that up and get, that's not your stuff anyway. You're stealing. That impressed the pastor that I'm now a father to. He was in that meeting. He said, I was proud of you. I said, I was too. <laughs> and you know, they, they were shocked that I screamed at them. But the other four or five people left in the prayer line were thrilled. Because everybody behaved themselves. I said, if you're not with me, just go sit in your car. Because I'm serious about helping these people get healed. 
Are you mad at people that eat Oreos and Pepsi in your meeting? Normally, yes. <laughs> you should eat before you come or after you leave, but not in my meeting. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read the Passion Translation of this. Uh, let me find it here. Okay, here it is. For I long to impart to you some spiritual gift that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. Now, this means that when we come together, and we're together today, aren't we? We sure are. And are side by side, something wonderful will be released. And I, put, I wrote this under that, the anointing will be released. Yes. Something wonderful. So it's not just read the verse, that's cute. No, there's something wonderful going to be released if we'll agree to that. And even if you don't need it, you're not eating Oreos and drinking Pepsis. All right. I think he did a good job on that scripture. When we're all gathered together and when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. You know, when I grew up in the church, I grew up in Baptist church, it didn't seem like anything wonderful was happening. Just talking to you here. Not bad about it, but I'm just saying what was really going on. So we're talking here about impartations. I want to read something to you here that I think would help us. It's out of my book. Paul talks about imparting spiritual gifts. The word for gift in the Greek means a spiritual endowment. And my pastor friend here, my son, Pastor Keith Rogan, Dr. Rogan, he's down in Nashville. He's got two churches. He's been with me. 38 years, 38 years. He's a long-termer. I appreciate it. He just made himself not get angry at me if I did something I shouldn't have done or said something he didn't think I should say. Thank you for your encouragement. I'm going to ask Pastor Graves to pat me on the back if you don't start responding. <laughs> I am not that boring. Stop that. But anyway, he lives in Nashville, and he told me that in Vanderbilt University, I used to stay at the Lowe's Hotel right across the street from Vanderbilt University. And the lady, her husband had a lot of money, and he passed on for her and left that money to her. And she gave like $340 million to Vanderbilt, something like that, wasn't it? $384, $384 million. Well, with that, you could build a six-story building. You could have one whole floor for cancer research, another for something research, hire a world-class leader and 20 associates for that kind of money. And what happens at that university? They can do something they couldn't do without that endowment. I'd like you to think about what I'm saying here. In the natural secular world, they understand that perfectly. (laughs) But what about us in the body of Christ? When he gives impartations or endowments to people, then all of a sudden we could do something we couldn't do before that. I can't heal you, but he lives in me, the one that's anointed me, and he's the one that does the healing and the deliverance. He uses my voice, but that's about it. I don't have that ability in me to do that. Yeah. I've thought about this a long time because I've been studying on demons and angels for on deliverance for since 1978 and on angels since 1980. None of the angels I've ever spoken to have ever talked back to me. None of the devils that ever said anything back to me, they stopped right then because I said, shut up in the name of Jesus and come out. That's it. (laughs) I can tell you some stories, make your hair stand up. 
like Charles Caps, you know, he had a little burr. <laughs> anyway, he sure was a good Bible teacher. All right, so when you have an endowment, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about an endowment that's on me and in me for healing, deliverance, and some other things. Have some, some of the gifts of the Spirit operate in me, too. But anyway, that's, anyway. So it says in the Greek, a spiritual endowment. I'm just going over this again, a miraculous faculty. So those endowments, not just for me, but others that are in ministry, it's a miraculous thing that God uses you to do that couldn't be done without that. A deliverance or a rescue. I got rescued a lot by Dad Dufresne. And you know, you probably, I don't know if you know this or not, I was a drug addict for three years. I lost 80 pounds shooting speed, methadrine. This is a potent drug. That was my drug. Somebody asked me, I don't know why they asked me. I was at a Nordstrom's and the guys had a friend that was a drug addict and I was trying to give my testimony to him. He said, what was your drug of choice? I said, speed. And I lost 80 pounds shooting it. And then I died. Then I came back and then I didn't want to die again. So people said, I bet you, you quit drugs for Jesus. I quit drugs because it was killing me. Do you understand that? I didn't think I was going to have a second chance to leave and come back. <laughs> I'd like to be noble and say I did it all for Jesus, but that isn't the truth. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so deliverance or rescue. Paul was imparting out of his endowment from God to others. It was from a supernatural source and it was a miraculous faculty and it provided deliverance and a rescue for the people to whom he imparted. Impartations come to us through men and women of God. Even the people here that preach here, Pastor Morgan, Pastor Nancy, Pastor Stephen. I don't know if he's a pastor, but he sure preached a great message last month. I personally gave him an offering in the back room over there. How much? That's none of your business, but just <laughs> quit that on me. Stop that. All right. It says impartations come to us through men and women of God and help us take us to the next level. What I was telling you about being a drug addict, you know, I, uh, let's see, I got saved in 71 and in 72, May of 72, I got saved in December 71, May of 72, I had a problem with my body. I strained something severely at a cement plant where I was working and I had to go to the hospital. And three surgeons came into my room and they said, We're, we did all your blood work and your liver stuff and said, what did you take to get over your hepatitis C? I said, are you telling me I have it or I had it? We're telling you, you had it, but there's something abruptly stopped in your enzymes, liver enzymes, your blood work that said, you, you must've took something to kill that. That hepatitis C, hepatitis C is the worst one and it'll destroy your liver. And you know, without a continuous miracle, you're going to die without a liver. I said, one thing I did is got saved. I gave my life to Jesus in December and this was the next May. I said, we don't know nothing about that, but what did you, I didn't take anything for it. And then he said, well, have you ever done drugs? I said, I was a full blown addict until last December and I'm still working my way through it. That's what I told him, but I don't shoot stuff anymore and all that. They said, well, you had hepatitis C. So anyway, long story short, that was in 72 and I think it was 2002. That would have been about 30 years later. And you know, hepatitis C can hide in people's bodies and re come back to you. That's another time frame. 
it began to explode in you, and then you're in real trouble. I had a young man in my church, Joe Ruder, Joe and Liz, they're good friends of mine. They, they go to my church. You have to have a thesaurus to listen to him because he talks so hip. <laughs> but he had the same thing I had. And he came back after 25 or 30 years on him. So I went to the doctor, a regular doctor, just checked me, took some blood, and he calls me on the phone at home. They never call at home anymore. Did you ever notice that? Unless you know that doctor, he's your grandpa or something. He's not going to call you. I said, what's up, doc? And he said, well, I need you to come back and give me some more blood right away. I said, well, I can't. I'm going to a meeting. I'm sorry, but when do you need it? I need it right away. I said, well, this is Thursday. I'm leaving the city tomorrow. I'll be back Monday. Put your nurse on or your office person, and I'll make an appointment for next Tuesday. I'll give you all you want. So I was going to hear Dr. Dufresne preach at Pastor Scott Webb's church. So I, I, I had Dad Dufresne's number in my phone, but I wasn't one to just call him every, every day or every week, maybe once a month. I tried to limit that because I don't want to abuse him. I don't know how many sons he had, you know, but if he had 200 and all of us stayed on the phone just 10 minutes, that's half of a day or a day and a half. I don't know. So I'm thinking while I'm there, I'm going to write a little note and give it to an usher to hand him and say, I need you to lay hands on me about my blood. But I got there late that night and I sat way about where the last guy is in the row back here. And Dr. Frank got up to preach. You know, he'd say, I'm trying to find a place to land. And he did one of those numbers. I've done it too some. I guess I got an impartation. But anyway, he's standing, and then he just falls into a trance. I'd say for maybe 40 seconds. He's still. Dr. Jacobs, where are you at? I said, I'm back here, sir. Send 10 out this aisle. The Lord shows me you have a, some kind of illness in your body or something. I said, that's correct. He said, I know you believe in angels. And he kind of laughed because I wrote the book on it, you know, at least one book on it. I didn't shred my own book. I shredded about a hundred of other people's. I like shredders. I'm not going to take you down that trail. You got stuff too that you like that I think, what in the world? Why would they like that? But anyway. So he said, I know you believe. He stand, the angel standing behind you. He's come to fix that. And that angel hit me in the head and down I went. See, he picked it up by the Holy Ghost. I didn't have a chance to give him a note from an usher or to talk to him privately. I wasn't sure. It's not my meeting. I'm just there to hear him. I'm not even sure I'm getting invited anywhere to do anything. You know, I just went to be around dad. But see, I went back to the doctor on Tuesday, gave him, I don't know, maybe seven or eight vials of blood. He sent it everywhere. Called me on Friday and said, I don't know what you did, but just perfect. I'm going to show you what I did here. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, of course, remember, now you have to have faith to receive it. All right. I had great confidence in his anointing and who he was. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face. And then I was there for him to see my face, you know, in this sense, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I reached out for some help in my mind. I hadn't had a chance to talk to him, but I'm reaching out for some help because I know he's further ahead than I am. He understands anointing better than I do. He's more accurate and more skillful in his appropriation of those things. Just like I've become over the last 30 years because he got in my life. And of course, Pastor Nancy too. See, God can perfect your faith through somebody else 
where you're lacking in your faith. If I thought I could have handled it myself, I'd have just said, Father, I believe in correct blood right now and just not even bothered him. But I didn't feel like that. I feel like I needed that right then. I needed him to either lay hands on me or prophesy. And it's both the same to me. That's how I think. If somebody's of God and they say something and I believe in their faith that said it, then it's settled. And he picked it up by the Holy Ghost. I hadn't had a chance to talk to him about it. That's kind of good pastor to have or good man of God. He was a spiritual father to me. Anyway, God can perfect a lot of things. And then when I first met him, you know, I had a pain in my side down here for 14 years. You'll excuse me if I'm not thinking you're a champion because you stood for one week and didn't get your healing. Now I'm being serious. I, I would want you to receive everything immediately. Like, but Jesus didn't get everybody healed immediately. And sometimes he could do very little in certain groups. I have a pastor friend. I said, don't invite me back here. Your people don't listen. He used up my time for no reason. And it wasn't that we didn't have some miracles, but they didn't care about it. They weren't interested. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. You think I'm a hard person. I'm not a hard person. I went back two more times at his personal request for me to come back just for him. I said, don't ask me anymore. I'm not coming. It's the worst church I'd ever been in in my life. And he was going to leave me. I said, I'll tell you what you do. (laughs) You don't want to hear that. I'd get a little rug, wipe my feet on it, said, this is what I think of you. Goodbye and walk out, get in your car and leave. That's what I would have done. Anyway, I'm a nice person, but you just totally doo-doo on somebody that's a man of God for 10 years straight and ridicule him and criticize him. You're not right. You don't even deserve somebody like that. Just turn on television and watch something. I don't care. All right. Impartations take us to the next level. So I had this pain in my side for 14 years. And I did go to the doctor for it. And I went to a lot of hospitals for it. And, you know, to make you do things you're embarrassed to talk about. You can take all your clothes off, stick something up your backside and get you full of something and then take x-rays. That's not comfortable. Then I drank stuff and they checked the top of me to make sure something wasn't affecting that down there. And they couldn't ever find anything. I went to City of Faith, went to Methodist Hospital. It wasn't like I wasn't trying to get healed. I was hurting. And one of my doctors gave me a medication and I took it for three days. And I said, I got to give this back. I was a regular real drug addict. And this stuff makes me feel like that. I don't want to become a pharmaceutical addict. I'm not taking it anymore. You find something different, I'll try it maybe. But that didn't do anything. Except made me feel like I was a drug addict again. All right. So I told dad about it. And of course, I didn't have insurance and didn't try to play somebody a game on somebody's head, like saying I had a pre-existing condition. You guys had done that cost my insurance to be skyrocketed. Hopefully you've never done that. That's dishonest. That's lying. You know, that is lying. You don't go to hell for lying. Hey, I just helping you to understand something. So I had $20,000 on a credit card because I didn't have any cash wherewith to pay that. And I was having lunch with Dr. Dufresne. He knew, he knew about the pain. He knew about the money I'd spent, you know, that I didn't have to spend. I had to put it on a credit card. I wasn't making any kind of money of any kind of sub- substance back then. And he said, uh, he, put, he was eating and I was eating right across me and him. He put his fork down, fire shot out of his eyes. Michael, that pain's going to leave you. 
and the money you owed that you put on a credit card, God's going to take care of that too. Now, listen, I didn't say anything to anybody privately about that. My wife, between my wife and I, we were paying our bills, but we didn't have 20000 just laying around to put on it. But within six weeks, God sent us money. I don't even remember where it came from. She was the accountant then when she was alive. She's in heaven. She's alive now, but she's not here to help me with accounting. So, all right. But I got somebody else helping me with it. Anyway, so in six or eight weeks, all that money came to pay that debt off. And I think it was about eight or nine months. It was that next December. I got up one morning and it went, boop. It didn't make that sound, but it boogied. <laughs> Took off. Yeah. I'm talking about an endowment in somebody <laughs> that I received. Oh, I've been delivered from a lot of stuff. I'm not going to talk about it either. But anyway, yeah, I've been, been delivered from a lot of things over the years. Now, I wanted to say something else here just a minute or two. I, I don't know when did I, when do you get out of here normally? Noon, something like that. Whenever I'm done. Okay, well, stay, stay buckled in then. No, <laughs> I'm not going to. All right. Oh, I was going to read this to you. Impartations come to, from men and women of God and help us go to the next level. These impartations can give us new equipment. I'm just telling you what you could get when your pastors get up or whoever's here as a guest like me or whoever, whatever they have in them. Of course, you can't give what you don't have. All right. But whatever you do have, you have to teach people what you have so they know what you have. All right. They sometimes give us new equipment in these impartations or enhance the spiritual equipment we already have. I never will forget this. Let me see if I can find that. I have it here. I got it back here if I don't have it there. I don't know if I marked it or not. I was with Dad Dufresne in Terre Haute. I'm getting ready to go preach in that same church in about three or four weeks. Let me look here and see if I can find it. Um... I'm on the wrong page. All right. It, and he said this to me by the, in 1998. I started being with him in 1993. The word of knowledge, and I didn't tell him that. And discerning of spirits, I didn't tell him that. That's who operated in my life from the day I was spirit-filled, 78. This is 20 years later. The word of knowledge and discerning of spirits will operate with more accuracy from this time forth. See, like the girl smiling? Now, to look at her naturally and think, what's wrong with her? But I don't think, I just look at people and sometimes they're smiling, sometimes they're frowning, sometimes they look like they wish they weren't with me, but that's okay. But I just looked at her and the Lord said, there's something wrong with her. I want you to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. So, so when I asked her, she wasn't shy. She said, I got, she wasn't like that. I've got mental problems. I said, yeah, you do, don't you? I'm going to deal with that. So I said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the spirits. I commanded them to leave and they came straight out of her back. Anyway, see, I, I'm trying to help you see this here. And sometimes there's callings, anointings. See, he just, he named those two gifts that I, and other gifts too, but those two in particular have been the strongest in me, I'd say since 1978. And he said, you're going to come with more accuracy in those two areas. Even Pastor Nancy kind of enhanced that a little bit. Recently, I was just here last month. I didn't know she was going to say anything to me or have me do anything. That's between her and the Lord. I didn't come to do anything. I came to receive. 
But she said, here, another room in the prophet's office, a whole other room, a whole other phase of seeing, seeing, uh, and said, uh, and you just come out and you just walk out what you saw. You are going to see a whole greater. It's almost like before you could see through a distance like binoculars, but when you just look up, it seems close to you now and it'll play off before you. And she talked about that. And she said it was still okay to lay hands on people, but she was talking about a different aspect of seeing more than I normally saw. I mean, I was down in Mexico too, and I was in prayer time today, and I saw a person choking. I don't know if it's a male or female. It, it ended up being one young lady and an older man. I said, I see you eating food, but then you choke, and you, you feel like you're going to pass out because you can't swallow your food, and you start getting nervous, have a panic attack on top of that. I'd like you to come up here. So a young lady came, I'd say about 20, younger maybe. And then an older man came. They both said the same thing. You said, what you said is exactly right. I start feeling panicky like, oh my God, I'm not going to get my breath. You know, that can be disturbing when you get like that. So we ministered to them and they're healed now. So we're talking about stuff here. But sometimes impartations come with new equipment or to enhance the equipment you already had. And sometimes there'll be callings, anointings, and mantles that lie dormant. Now think about that. People that are highly anointed and they don't even know it yet. And unless they have somebody that sees something in them like Dad Dufresne saw in me, I saw it, but I didn't really know how to yield to it. I'm talking about the prophetic office. And then when I studied it, I was more discouraged about it. Then I read Brother Hagin's book and he thoroughly discouraged me because his book says you're going to be criticized more severely. You're going to be misunderstood more widely. Well, thanks a lot. But I just made myself get in and say, Father, that is not, I'm not moved by that. I mean, I'd like you all to like me, but if you don't, that's fine. I mean, I, I like you, but if you don't like me, that's fine. Maybe you think I'm too direct. Maybe you think I'm too, you shouldn't have said that. Don't tell me that because I'm not going to repent right now. I'm just going to tell you. Hallelujah. So he saw something in me. And when I, of course, I eventually had to settle that. You know what I mean? Now you may not have to settle being a prophet because I doubt very few of you are, if at any, here in the church. I think Pastor Nancy is. You'd have to have certain equipment to be that. Like if I called a plumber and an electrician showed up, I called the wrong guy. Right. <laughs> you know, they don't know how to interact with each other. The electrician don't know how to fix your toilet normally and vice versa. But I'm just saying there are things you have to get settled in your heart. And then, you know, to leave my church, which I've been pastoring for a long time. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to stay two more years. I'm going to try to get more in my son. He was 28 at that time. He's 37, 35 now. He said, no, you're not. If you do two more years, you're going to be up here with me. So you need to send him up this Sunday in the pulpit, tell him that he's your pastor and quit coming to you about pastoral things. And I think some of the people misinterpret that like he don't like us anymore. If I didn't like you, I have a car, I would have drove away the first day. Do you get it? <laughs> What's the matter with you people? Oh, you're not even my people, are you? Okay. I'm not trying to get away from anything. I'm trying to obey God. Or he said, in two more years, you're dead. Give him the church now and I'll catch him up. That's what God said. So I told him, God said, he's going to catch you up. Of course, I'll always be here to help if you need some help. But, and I gave him the, you know, blueprint of what we owe. Do you owe a million, 100,000? Welcome to the ministry. 
And I'm going to do like I always do, more than most, more than most, and more than I've ever done to help you, but I'm not going to pay at all. You're going to have to believe for that. And he's got it down like it's only 600000 now. And he hadn't done that for seven years. It started about five years ago. I'm just, I'm just bragging on my family a minute. I know you'd like to brag on yours. I haven't got time right now, okay? <laughs> just talking. But I had to be willing to do that. And I love those people. I pastored. They were my family for 30 years or better. But you just got to settle some things. I think the average believer thinks I'm a Hollywood guy because I've, I can fly in a jet, you know, sometimes. I don't always do that. I fly commercial mostly right now. But you think it's exciting, you know, and I got dirty clothes to bring home every single trip. <laughs> and repack. And sometimes I only got two or three days between the next trip and I'm going, oh, Father, forgive me what I'm thinking. I got a crane set right now. I repent. And say, Father, this is what you call me to do and I'm well able to handle it. Thank you for this. Yes. You know, God asks something of you. You may be like me or maybe more. You just throw the towel out and say, forget it. Right. All right. Just talking to you here. Sometimes callings, anointings, and mantles will be laying dormant. Impartations cause movement and increase, much like a chemical catalyst that causes change when added. You remember the old Bondo? Some of you guys, you had old beat up cars. You take that Bondo, you put that pink stuff on it, you stir it real quick, and you get it on your car. Because if you don't get it on your car, it's stuck to the board, you're, <laughs> you've mixed it in. It'll, it'll set up real quick. So that's what the anointing does, it changes us and ministers to us and causes movement to happen. Just like when I go somewhere where there's a lot of preachers and stuff, it's a little different atmosphere because of they, what they have in them. And if they know how to pull on me without bringing confusion, that helps. <laughs> okay. I never went to dad's, I went to dad's meeting because I love dad. That one time I went, I was hopeful that he would minister to me. I already told you that. So it wasn't bad for me to want him to minister to me because he was my spiritual father. I knew he had what I needed. Or I wouldn't have been hooked up to him. And I didn't get hooked up to him to preach or take an offering or do it. I just got hooked up because God said, that's the one I want you to connect to. Like he used to teach, he was connected to Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. And then later came Pastor Summerall, Dr. Summerall. And uh, you know, you see what I'm saying? And even people got smart aleck with me one time in this group, not this group, but fresh oil. I was sitting at a table one of his birthdays and the preachers attacked me over spiritual father. What do you think about Dr. Fring, what he just said? What do you mean what he said? He said, Dr. Summerall's his pastor and Kenneth Hagin's his father. I said, I think it's great. What's the matter with you? Yeah. I thought you said you could only have one spiritual father. He said he only had one spiritual and that was Brother Hagin. But he said, Dr. Summerall was his pastor. Who knew how to love on him and how to speak directly to him, Coach? Dr. Summerall was just a different, turned a different way. But he loved Dr. Dufresne. He wrote him that little note, you turn back now, the devil's got you. Right. Listen to me if you turn back now, you know, after what he went through with his first family, his first mate. All right. I'm not, I'm not saying anything out of turn. I'm just listening. I, I paid attention to all that. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we're talking about different kinds of things. Now let's go to Mark chapter 2 and look at something here for just a minute. I hope I'm making sense. You act like you, you kind of look like you are and some of you I'm not sure about, but (laughs) 
Mark chapter 2 here, and I wrote this in my notes here. You know, Paul said, I long to see you. And I didn't go over this with you yet, but I want to mention it now. And I'm over in Mark 2, chapter 2 of Mark and verse 8 in a minute. It says, to see you means to actually perceive of a person. To perceive what, what, what they're dealing with or what they're going through. Or you discern that there's something amiss there. I'm going to use Pastor Nancy as illustration. I was down at Pastor Ramos's church. I think Mike Rabel was with me. My, he's an apostle. He's in Mexico now. He's been all over the world. He's just a wonderful man of God. But all of a sudden, we're drive, pull in the park to get out of the car to go in to do that service. And all of a sudden, here comes, I think it was a white Land Rover. And you were driving. I said, well, that looks like, that looks like Morgan. I had no idea she was coming. Then Pastor Nancy got out of the passenger side and came around the front of the car. And when I looked at her... Inwardly, I said, what's wrong with her? Something's amiss here. Now, just listen to me. You could learn something. You know, Pastor Nancy, I'm giving you a compliment, Pastor Nancy. She's always sharp, got every hair in place. Her makeup's perfect. She dresses nice. She's a very nice person. But when I looked at her, I didn't see that. I saw it in the natural because she always looks like that. But something said, there's something wrong here with her. I didn't. I just got out and greeted her, and she greeted me. We went in the service, and while I'm preaching, I was preaching on miracles that night. She was sitting somewhere over in this area. I looked at her and I said, "Can I pray for you?" And she said, "Yeah." And I laid hands on her, and she was going through some serious problems with her body at that time. And she said, "You know, I ministered to her, and about according to what she wrote me as a praise report, I guess it's okay to tell this because you sent me the copy of it." She said, "About five minutes later, all the weakness left me." <laughs> but the only reason I prayed for it and went to her instead of asking her to come up is because I saw something outside, but I didn't know how to put my finger on it or whatever. I just was discerning. And when I looked at her, I still saw that same thing. So I just said, may I pray for you? And she said, sure. So anyway, praise God. Listen, she got so healed. She gave my friend, the apostle, a thousand dollar check. He didn't even share it with me either. <laughs> Oh, you sent me one when you sent the letter. You sure did, Pastor Dancy. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> if I didn't send you a thank you, just forgive me so I can keep preaching. <laughs> She's very generous. But see, I'm, I wanted to read this scripture and show you what Jesus did. Same thing here in verse 8 of Mark 2. He says, immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, he picked up something down, the, not out of his head. That they so reason within themselves, he said, and then why reason ye these things in your heart? I'm just using that as an example. He knew what they were thinking. I didn't know everything, but I knew something. I discerned something was amiss. Something was a matter. So there was a problem. I didn't know what it was. And then, and then I prayed for her. I don't even remember what I said. But anyway, she told me later all the symptoms left. So I was thrilled to hear that. All right. Now, you know, you could receive impartations apart from this other ways too. Because I put up here, you can get information from books, tapes, but an impartation like this one, because we read in Romans, I long to see you. So like I'm here today, I'm looking at you. I'm not sending you a letter from someplace else in the world. And so uh, it says here, you could receive certain things to a level uh, from someone and so forth. But sometimes you have to be personally present. 
You remember the prophet, was it Elijah, the senior prophet and uh, protege or the disciple or apprentice was Elisha. The second Kings two, that whole chapter deals with, I'm going to go over here. You just stay here to the guy under him. No, I, as the Lord lives and my soul lives, I'm not going to leave you. Yeah. It said there was 50 guys in the Bible school sitting on the hill across the ravine. Yes. They weren't with him. They were at the coffee shop prophesying to each other, eating donuts. <laughs> I know how this works with some people. You can't turn the spirit off and on anytime you want. If I could do that, I'd make sure I was do that. You know what I mean? To help other people. But you can't do that. It's a, it's a spirit wills. I'm making fun of them a little because they didn't stay close to the one God sent them to. You know, I just stayed close. I tried to stay close. I didn't try to manipulate Dr. Dufresne. I didn't come. I came to serve him. Bottom line, that's the only, just serve, be a servant. I helped him financially. I helped him in my prayers the best I knew how to pray. And by being around him, I just started showing up in these meetings. He, he noticed me. I mean, I'm glad he did, but he didn't have to. I would have still showed up because God said I need to get around him more. So I'd find out where he's going to be and I'd get a plane ticket and go there and show up in the meetings. And I didn't show up to get asked back in the green room or blue room or whatever kind of room they have. I've been in some of those rooms where they wear tuxedos. No, they threw a piece of down the, with paper plates. Have yourself, help yourself. That's a big vacuum there. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't do that to eat at somebody else's expense. I came to be around him. Yes. Okay. So we're talking about some things here, I think, that help us. And in that comment in 2 Kings 2, the man of God stayed with his father until he was removed. You remember he said, well, what would you like me to do for you? If I could do he said, I'd like a double portion of what you have. He said, well, you've asked a hard thing. But if you're with me when I go, you'll have it. And if you're not, you won't get it. So Elisha kept following Elijah wherever he went, he went with him. Are you listening? Just stay with people. You know, sometimes people question me about a decision Dr. Dufresne made. I'm just going to say this because you need to hear it. And I said, I don't have a comment. I don't know who got in trouble for what. I don't know who did what before. I don't know what. I wasn't privy to know all the information. I'm not making a decision. I'm not judging him. I love him. I believe in him. I trust him. End of discussion. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I called some people, you're golf ball willing. What's that? That's a goofy person. <laughs> they were trying to draw me in on an offense that I was going to be offended about something he did or said. That's not my job to be offended. My job is to be a servant. <laughs> So I left all the ignorant people to judge everything, critique everything. Yeah. Not realizing you're separating yourself from his anointing. by do, Not that he's, he's not drying up because of you, but you're drying up because you don't receive. When, when you talk about it against leadership, you, you'll not be able to receive. That's right. I'm just trying to help you. You know, I had to tell my mother that one time. I said, Mom, if you were in my church, I'd ask you to leave because you're just so critical of every pastor you get. And in the Baptist church, you got a new one every two years, whether you wanted them or not. But every time I hear you talk, you're critiquing them. Why do you do that? Well, she fired back on me. How dare you talk to me that way? I had asked her before that, I said, do you think we could just have a discussion, maybe mom and your son, the preacher? 
you know, I'm still Michael, but I'm still your son, but I want to say something to you. And I don't think you're going to like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. You're too critical. And you complain about the preachers. They're too fat. They're too stupid. They're too slow. They preach too long. They don't preach long enough. They don't preach the right things that I need. See, you're just, no wonder you don't receive anything from them. Boy, I'm, okay. Thank you. (laughs) When you critique people like that, you're removing yourself from the influence of the anointing. You may not realize that, but you're going to be dry somewhere out here. I lived in Ohio as a boy, and the corn cobs in August sunshine, the corn cobs got dry as a cob. That's what we mean by that. The sun just dried out all the corn. The juice is gone. It's just a whole corn cob dried out. That's what you become when you criticize everybody. Okay. And it could be maybe that just some people say things you're not ready to receive yet, but it isn't wrong. It's just you're not able to get it fully. Could that be a, maybe a thing that you need to think about? All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's see here. Let, let, me, let me get further down in here. I think I wanted to read something on the second page here. And then we'll maybe come back to something here just for a second. I'm, I'm getting ready to close here. I really am. I promise you. Uh, Ephesians 5. Let's go over here and look at this. This is for every believer. I'm not just preaching to preachers today. I'm preaching to everybody that will listen. Ephesians 5, and this is in my book too, I'm pretty sure it is. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And I'll read it here when you get there with me. Ephesians, if you want me to read it, I'm going to read it. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 there says, See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Of course, that deals with a lot of different things there, but what we're seeing is God has a plan for your life. Every believer, God has a purpose for you. You know, I think as Brother Hagin, I think I wrote that down here. Brother Hagin said, Jesus told him 90% of the ministers live and die and never get into the first phase of their ministry. Now, just, I'm just thinking about this. Since the preachers are, would we say, I think you'd let me say this to you, are somewhat a leader in the body of Christ. And if we're not even, you know, 90% of us are not in the first phase, where does that put you? So there's a lot of believers out of God's will, and that's why things don't work for you correctly yet. But you need to stay with the pastors, stay in the local church where God placed you, and learn from what they're saying. Every every meeting will be different, but they're trying to help you get into the perfect will of God in your life. Not just the preachers. (laughs) Are you listening? I was in Mexico City. I've been there probably, not Mexico City, you know, Mexico City at least 20 times, but I've been to Mexico probably 70 times in my lifetime. But the praise and worship leader at the church I go to, she's a daughter to me, and I'd been there several times already. And she finally at lunch one day said, Dr. Jacobs, what could I do to help you in your ministry? I said, well, you're asking, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take an hour and 20 minutes to get me in the anointing. When I come to your services, just like every place else, I'm on pause. 
That doesn't mean I'm some kind of spiritual guru, but I try to be ready to go if they said, well, get up and preach. And so I said, maybe two or three songs might be sufficient for me. And I'd like to say this back to you in kindness, all the praise people. And by the way, thank you, Grant, for that songs and whoever put that together. Charity Gale's one of my favorite singers. She really got an anointing. Naomi Ramey's number one, though, her and my daughter. But anyway, you know who Naomi is? Yeah, oh, she's a singer. My daughter turned me on to her house. Listen to this girl sing, Dad. What do you think? And she just sang like the first chorus, and there was another guy singing with her. I forget his name. And I said, well, she's powerful. I said, Dad, simmer down. She's just getting started. So I listened to the end. I said, you're right, honey. She's got all the goods plus. She's just really a very anointed young lady. Naomi Rainey, she's really, I mean, you might not like her stuff, but I do. I'm just, so anyway, I said to this lady, Mirna, I said, you know, everybody expects a preacher. I'm just saying this to everybody so you know what I think. Everybody expects the preacher to be 100% on everything. He's going to preach a message just makes you want to stand on your feet and hanky me. You know, with a hanky. He does that. I took him with me to Dr. Ames Church. They never stood up once and did that. He got up and took the offering. And in a minute, they were going, ah! He's a preaching machine among those in my family. Really got an anointing on him. But they never do a hanky on me like that. But you expect me to do that to you and then have miracle signs and wonders. And sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. But there's reasons why. So I told her that one time and she said, thank you. And she's done that every time I've been there since the last 18 years. I said, what you do when I'm not here, it doesn't matter to me. That's you and your husband's decision. But I just think if you cut it back a little bit, because some people wear people out in praise and worship. Okay, I'm not, I'm not strong, I'm not strong arming the praise and worship people, but I think everybody that's on a platform ought to be at least halfway committed that God wants us to be committed. One time I was with Michael Rabel, he had me pouring concrete on five gallon buckets. We were mixing the concrete ourselves with a shovel in a wheelbarrow, putting it in five gallon buckets and taking it up to the third floor, pouring it in a form that we'd made. And after about a week of that, I said, listen, I'm either going to bench steel and pour concrete or preach at night, but I'm not going to do both. You're not going to get miracles out of me. He wore me out. I love you. So you call it a laborer or prophet. You should decide I'm here to help you. He said, well, I'm going to cut you out of my workforce. I said, thank you. Because he'd run me back home and he'd try to take a shower and eat in 30 minutes and be in the truck and then drive an hour somewhere and preach and then get back in the truck and drive an hour. <laughs> He's a missionary. That's the way they think. A lot of times. I'm not offended by that, but I had to be honest and say, you wore me out pouring concrete and bending steel. I used to do that for a living, but I don't anymore. So it's kind of a big deal. All right. Thank you so much. You... <laughs> I was telling you that every believer has something to do with God that's important to God for you to do that. Yes. Yes. I met some people before that are greeters. They're just outstanding. Then I went to some churches. They had people that were depressed at the door saying, come on in. I hope you get something. <laughs> you know, that's not a very good anointing on that person to do that. Maybe wash some dishes, perhaps. I don't know, but I'm kind of teasing, but not really. That's just the way things seem to me sometimes.
the giftings to accomplish God's will in the earth were given to us by the Father. And some of those gifts were deposited early in life, like mine in Jeremiah 1, 5, you know, where you were still in the womb. This is what God gave me for my calling in Jeremiah chapter 1. Now, let's just go back there a minute. Look at that for a second. Jeremiah chapter 1, he gave this to me in 1975. I didn't get a hold of it fully for a long time. And Dad Dufresne gets the credit for helping me find my place in a supernatural way later in my life. And I was so thankful. But here it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, I'm going to read a little bit and then I'm just going to close in a second here. But I wanted to say to all of you, you have a certain thing to do and it's not insignificant. (laughs) I'll say this about the sound people. Of course, you need to have a good sound system, which you seemingly do here. But people need to know how to do that with accuracy and or everybody's, their ears are bothering them. So they're very anointed people back there in the sound booth. I think you are. So I'm not a musician or anything, but I think you do a great job. Everybody here does a great job. I feel comfortable with everybody. Amen. Okay, here's a group hug. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> Maybe you think I'm a meanie weenie. Hey, I've been to a lot of campfires and everything. I think I was a weenie they were roasting sometimes. Oh my gosh. But God has something for you to do that's important to him. That's what I'm trying to get over to you. And never treat that lightly. Yes, sir. I argued with God for almost two years that he was calling me into the ministry. I said, you got the wrong person. You got the, I don't want to do that. And he just kept prevailing on me and he dealt with all my excuses. So eventually I surrendered. I'm glad I did. I would like to tell you the truth. It hasn't all been fun. But it's been fulfilling. I don't know if anybody tell you the truth like that, but I will. I had to stretch myself. I'd come to one level, then I have to stretch myself to another one. Different things like that. Money and just everything else that happened. You know, I moved into a house one time. It was a dump. It's called a parsonage. And when I drove up with the truck and had my wife and my dog and we were ready to move in, they're in there eating popcorn, watching TV. And the deacons that were in charge of that, I told them six weeks before, I'm moving on this week, have them out, I'm coming. What do you think I did? I went right through the front door, didn't knock it down. It was, had the screen on. I walked right in, I unplugged his TV set. I took his popcorn from his hands, put it on the table. I said, you're out and I'm in. Get with it, buddy. Come on. Amen. I should have just whipped all those deacons first and <laughs> then went in there and dealt with him. <laughs> we'll take care of it, Mr. Jacobs. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> True story. Then I'm sure he saw the fire coming out of me. He didn't want to provoke me anymore. I'd be glad to throw him through the front door. Oh, you're a preacher. Yeah, I'm a good preacher too and a right kind of preacher. I made a mistake in that. I should have turned around and drove up to Carlstown, rented an apartment, or just drove off into the sunset. Bye-bye. But I didn't. I was willing to be there in spite of all the stupidness that those men did against me and stay with them and be their pastor for four years. Thank you so much. I'm going to come get another pat in a minute. I know you think everybody's just whatever, just riding around in some utopian bubble, but that isn't true. I loved God then just like I do now. It took me six months back then to believe God for a pair of new shoes. $29.99 Tom McCann. Does anybody remember that store? 
six months. I use more than that at Starbucks every two or three days. <laughs> All right, I'm going to quit being funny. I'm not trying to be funny. If I get funny, it's an accident. And you in Jeremiah, or if you're not there, just forget it. But if those that turned there 30 minutes ago, <laughs> verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto me. This is what God spoke to me in 1975 before I responded to go into ministry. But I did, sure didn't understand all of it at the time. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew thee. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Of course, now I've taken about 120 or maybe over that mission trips around the world. And we had to believe for the money to send me. You know, they don't let me ride on airplanes free. And even if I had my own, I've got payments and I got, you know, things need to be fixed occasionally and fuel and pilot and all that stuff. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a child. That's where I identified with myself. I'm just a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I will send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. I was just dealing with four seventh grade boys in the basement of the Southern Baptist Church, and it smelled like floor wax in there. And we didn't have any comfortable chairs like here. They were metal. Yeah. And the longer you sat, the harder it was. <laughs> but that's where I was at, just four boys, four young seventh or eighth graders. Then the Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, this day I set you over the nations, over the king to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, and then to build and to plant. So that's really my calling as a prophet right there. It is to do these things listed. That doesn't mean I'm always in another nation. I'm in America right now. This is America, right? Okay. California's in America. But these are some things that we do have done. I was with Dad Dufresne. I don't know if Pastor Nancy was on that trip. I know she could have been. I went three different times, but I don't know who was with us when. But he said, I want you to share about your drug addict days a little bit and give an invitation. So I did. There was 1,200 people there in Siberia. And I said, if you're a present tense addict, I don't mean you quit three months ago or four years ago. You're a present tense addict. Get up here. I'm going to rebuke the devil out of your life and set you free. 37 people came. I didn't count them, but somebody in the group that was with us said there were 37 people, men and women that came. I prayed for every one of them to get delivered, and I believe they did. Because we have what it takes here to do this, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down. And sometimes people get so deep they can't get themselves free. There's a level in there. Now, Dr. Summerall says there's seven levels to getting possessed, but the first five he says you can take care of yourself if you know what you're doing. But the last two, it probably wouldn't work if you went through the first five steps and into the sixth. That's what he says. I tend to agree with him. Doesn't have to be exact, but I mean, you know what I'm saying, don't you? Yeah, I'm just talking to you here. So anyway, I'm going to stop with that because I've been preaching for a while. And I appreciate you listening to me and, and things like that. And... Uh, I wanna, wanted to ask uh, people that have, uh, thank you, Tony. I wondered if there's anybody here, your problems with your bones. Stand up with me, please, if you don't mind for a minute. You have a problem with your bones, any kind of bone issues. If you'll come, I'll be glad to minister to you. We have anointing for bones, your spine, your neck, your joints, things like that.
Anybody need that? Maybe the ushers could move that out of our way when you get a chance, if you could, the pulpit. Thank you for coming. There'll be some more here in a minute. This is for bones. Now, what am I doing? I'm releasing what I have to go into you, and you receive what you receive it by your faith that's going into me. And then once I pray for you, this is the thing I would do. I would say the anointing's working in me. And when you go to get in your car today, say the anointing's working. And the more you say it, the more you allow that anointing to work in you. The less you say it, the more you pull back, it'll stop it. Or, for example, there might be somebody here with a hip problem. You might, I don't know if there is, but anyway, my point is you go sit down in your car and say, well, I thought Dr. Jacob just prayed for me. This still hurts. Well, just keep saying the anointing's working in me to affect a healing and a cure. Or just say the anointing's working in me. And the more you say it, the more you activate that anointing. You activate it. I'm going to release what I have to go in you. And it'll, it'll start working on your bones. Sometimes new parts come with that. I've had angels work with me and they put in new, uh, what do you call that in your spine? Disc. If I'm in the spirit, I've seen him pull a disc out and there's a space there because I'm in the spirit. I'm watching him and it didn't collapse on the next bone. It stayed open and he put a new one in and then they were healed. So we're just talking to you a minute. Just receive that anointing. Father, I release that anointing to these for their bones to be healed. Oh, that's it right there. Take that. Let that go in you. Be healed in your bones, sir. In the name of Jesus. Be healed in your bones. Oh, my goodness. That's it right there. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. Let it work mightily in you. Let it work widely in this lady. Be healed in your bones. I command that anointing to go into your bones and make them whole. Every deposit of calcium that's there, burn up by the fire of God. Anointing of God to come into you and heal you of your bone issues. Oh my goodness, that's good anointing. Receive and be healed in your bones. There it is. Receive and be healed in your bones. I command these bones to live again, be strong again, be vibrant again. In the name of Jesus, be healed in your bones. In the name of Jesus, be healed in your bones. There it is right there. It's on you. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to start with this. Oh, not. I think I prayed for this. I'm with this guy right here. Be healed in your bones. Sir. Oh, my goodness. You feel that go into you? Yes. Yeah, praise God. Praise the Lord. Oh, my goodness. It's working in you. Be healed in your bones. In the name of Jesus, I release it to you. In Jesus' name. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. I release that to you. Be healed in your bones, sir, by the power of the living God. I release that anointing in my right hand to go into him. Heal every bone. Make it whole. Make them live with the life of God in it. In the name of Jesus. All calcium deposits are being burned out by the fire of God. Be healed in your bones. In the name of Jesus. I release that to you. Jesus' name. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. Oh, that's it right there. Be healed in your bones, sir, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Be healed in your bones. Oh, my goodness. That's it. Angels working on you. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. That's it. Just turn your head off. Receive with your heart. In the name of Jesus, be healed in your bones. I command these bones to live again to be vibrant. Be restored to newness. Be healed in your bones, sir. Command your bones to receive new life. In Jesus' name. 
be healed in your bones, young man, in the name of Jesus. That's that anointing coming on you, son. Lift your hands up to the Lord for me. That's just better to receive that way. Thank you, Father, for ministering to him and healing him. Okay. What is this for somebody else? Father, whoever this is for, I just pray that anointing go into this cloth from my hands and when they're laid on this person, everything concerning bones will be, re be healed. Any demons that are involved will have to leave in the name of Jesus. They can't take that anointing. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. All right. Be healed in, oh, my goodness, anointing shot right into you, ma'am. That's it right there. Take that. Be healed in your bones. In the, oh, my goodness. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. Anointing's going into you, sir. Hallelujah. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus by the power of the living God. There it is right there. Hallelujah. Well, we see a lot of people needed help. Be healed. Oh, that's it right there. Take it. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. There it comes to you right now. Jesus' name, be healed in your bones. I release that anointing in my right hand to go into her body and heal her. Be healed in your bones. Command these bones to live again, live strong, be full of life. Breathe new life on them, Father. Command your bones to be healed in the name of Jesus. That's it right there. My goodness, your elbow. Father, I pray for this elbow to be healed, all the bones in it to be made new and fresh and healed and strong in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that. Praise God. Thank you for the anointing. Hey, lift your hands, everybody. Let's lift our hands a minute. Be healed. Oh, in your bones in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father, right now. There it is right there on you. Be healed in your bones in the name of Jesus. Let that anointing saturate her, Father. Go into her bones. Be healed in your bones, sir, in the name of Jesus. There's that anointing going into you. Is this for somebody else? Do you not need help? Your mom, she got a problem with her bones? Okay, yeah. Father, I pray that anointing get in his cloth when it's laid on mom. Every symptom will leave, every demon will leave. She'll be healed and made whole in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Be healed in your bones. Oh my goodness, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just say, every service will be different. You know, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm going to scan in here a minute. Are you scanning me? No, I'm just scanning everybody. <laughs> you know TSA? What's that? What's that? What's that? Yeah. I appreciate if you come back and see us tomorrow night or Tuesday night, whatever. Every service will be different. I don't know if I'm going to stay on impartations. I might. It's up to the Lord, not up to me. You know, I used to be a straight teacher and, and a pastor, you know, but a teacher. I, I'd run in my church in teaching. Dr. Dufresne told me that. And I said, yeah, you're right. So I had to pull my teaching back to yield to the Holy Ghost better. I'm still learning, but, you know, don't judge me too severely. I'm moving with him best I know how. I, I was reading, I think, where's that lady... Uh, Boyd's wife, where's she at? Wave at me. Yeah. I was reading your testimony about your ribs the other day at home. That was a powerful. 
she got in a bad wreck, you know, a while back and I ministered to her. I didn't know nothing about the wreck. I called it out. I think it was right side or something. And she came and got ministered to, said it speeded up her recovery. Hey, hallelujah. We're just talking about some things here. So I think I'm done. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.